As we talk through Abigail inside of Scripture today, just a beautiful story of this very strong woman. It seems very fitting uh, that we talk about Abigail today because uh, I believe inside of this room, we have some of the strongest Christian ladies uh, that I've ever been a part of in any church. We had, uh, back in the day, we had some phenomenal student workers uh, that were ladies inside the mix that, that just took on that motherly role with a lot of those students uh, that even took on some of those director roles and, and just took command of what needed to happen on Sunday mornings. And so, and God has always, always, always blessed me with some phenomenal ladies who've jumped in to do ministry. And I will say the same about Pam and her jumping in very timely in what we're doing and, and the, uh, the flowers and everything that you'll get to pick from, uh, a lot of the supplies that happen for kids and for uh, the ladies' uh, iced coffee stuff, that's all, a lot of that is so much on Pam this morning. And so uh, somebody that will step in and do the work of ministry, I just love it. And so um, again, if you're here today and you're sitting there as a mom and, and you're trying, I want I'm going to stand on this stage and tell you I have zero clue on what it's like to be a mom, all right? Um, there's no guy on the planet that can fulfill that role. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care where we go from here. We can go all political or whatever. There is no male on the planet that can fill the role of a mom. It's just never going to happen. And so, um, but as we look at that this morning, we've been talking about these defining moments, these defining moments where character comes out, right? Like when you squeeze a lemon, lemon juice comes out, right? And so when you squeeze an orange, man, you can get a great glass of orange juice that way. But when you get squeezed, when the pressures of life squeeze tight on you, what comes out in those moments, those can be some of the best defining moments of your life. You can be bitter to, to, to the taste, or you could come out and you could really and truly portray who Christ is, and, and I just love the opportunities that God gives us. So we've talked about Moses and that his past could have defined him, but God did not allow that to happen. We talked about Joseph's harm and, and what was meant for evil turned out to be his good and for God's glory. And then we talked about Esther. Uh, Russell talked about Esther and how uh, her hope and it saw tragedy turn to victory. And then last week as we jumped in, uh, one of my favorite stories of all, man, we saw that Jonah's deep dive, it didn't end with that deep dive. God, God got him at rock bottom and then just used him. But, but even with Jonah, his whole, the whole book of Jonah inside the Bible, it ended with a question mark. The beautiful thing is that if you're here today, your life doesn't have to end with a question mark. If you're sitting there and you're going, man, I don't know what's next in my life, like you don't have to end that with a question mark. You can ask God and God will begin to move things in your life as you give him freedom. God will move things out of your life and he will move things into your life and he will choose just the right and best seasons and just the right and best people to help point you in that right direction. But if you don't give him that, that luxury, that freedom, you might could take that same deep dive that Jonah did. And some people just think, oh, man, that's a great tale to tell. Well, then you might have a problem with every other story that's in the Bible, too. I believe that Jonah got thrown over from that boat. I believe he took a deep dive, and I believe God snapped his finger, and he commanded that fish or whale to scoop him up, and he stayed three days and three nights inside that. Why do I believe that? Because God's Word said it. Like, you can't just look at Scripture right? You can't just look at it and think, oh man, that's a great story. 
No, this is true and real life. And it may just be that you have to turn up the volume of how you hold and view and read scripture so that it can then begin to ring true inside of your own life. If you just look at it flippantly, then that may be how you look at life. And God may be trying to use these different stories today to help point you in the right direction. So as we look at it today on Mother's Day, we look at Abigail. Here's a beautiful picture today, mothers. You ready for this? Uh, The stats on finance buzz say this, that Americans plan to spend $3.2 billion on flowers alone today just for Mother's Day. I went into Kroger's at 6 o'clock this morning. 6 o'clock. I wasn't buying flowers. I know better. (laughs) I know better than to buy flowers uh, for Brooke. She's going to look at me like, you're an idiot. Why are we doing this? It's going to die in two days. But there were all kinds of men crawling around. It was all the men that should have done it yesterday, but were probably on the golf course or out fishing. All these men were surrounded, all of these flowers in there, and these ladies are putting stuff out, and these guys are scooping it up. $3.2 billion. Here's the next one. Celebrate it. It's This beautiful day is celebrated in more than 100 countries around the globe. Moms, that's how important you are. It really is. That's how important. It's estimated that we will buy 113 million Mother's Day cards. I hate cards. Please don't ever, Pam knows, Brooke knows this morning, don't buy me a card. None of them ever say the right thing. They're usually very cheesy. So this morning, I took a poster board folded it in half, and I wrote on it, I hate cheesy, or I hate, what is the word I use? I hate, say it again. I loathe, thank you, English teacher. I loathe, um, um, but what, sappy, small, thank you. Sappy, small Mother's Day cards. And then I opened it up and said, but I love, big heart, love you. Like, I would rather you make one for me Spend that kind of time. That, that to me, says so much more about you than going to the store and going. And then putting it back. Like, I hate cards. So I make my own cards, but maybe you're a part of the 113 million. I'm not. Uh, estimated that 2.2 billion moms in the world right now, 77 million of those are in the U.S. That you would choose today to come inside of this room Caprock Elementary and to do church with us. Thank you so very much. You could be anywhere else today. You could have slept in. You could have done a a hundred other things, but you chose today. And some of you worked super hard to get your family to come to you today. Thank you so very much. Um, Good news, ladies. We are planning to spend $274 million on you. That's a lot of dough. That's a lot, a lot of dough. But you're worth way more than that. Way more than that. Those are all of the stats that I'm going to give you. So here's the deal. Ladies in the room, this isn't just about Mother's Day today. Married, not married, divorced, uh, single, single for a reason, single for a season, whatever it is. Man, God loves you. God desires to have a relationship with you. He does. And so as we talk about this today, I would hope that all of you ladies would put Abigail at at the center of your thought today to figure out, okay, what do I pull out of this? Guys, you too, I hope you're not who we're going to talk about as the uh, arch nemesis inside of this story, her husband. Uh, If you are, then man, there'll be a counseling session afterwards, okay? Uh, But never give up on God's plans. So here we go. Point number one, money can't buy happiness or change a person's heart. 
And I don't know if you jumped into marriage and you thought, man, I've got all of these bills. I've got school debt. Just getting married, that'll help it. Doesn't always help it. Money cannot buy joy. It cannot buy happiness. And we're gonna see that here. So here we go. Uh, Then David rose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. And there was a man in Maon whose business was in Carmel. The man was very rich. Dun, 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 dun. Sounds good already, right, ladies? You're like, man, he's got a 401k. That's awesome. Um, he had 3,000 sheep, though. I don't know. Didn't, didn't ring any bells for anybody. And then 1,000 goats. If 3,000 sheep's not enough, then 1,000 goats. He was shearing his sheep in Carmel, verse 3. Now, the name of the man, I'm going to call him Nabal. I've heard it Nabal. I've heard of so many different ways. I'm just going to say from here on out, Nab. We good with that? Now the name of the man was Nab, and his name, uh, the name of his wife was Abigail. The woman was discerning and beautiful, but the man was harsh and badly behaved. Dun, dun, dun. So I don't know, do we have a lot of that in the room? Like these beautiful, discerning ladies, and then these harsh and not so well behaved men. I don't know. I don't think so. I think we're I think we're good on both sides. But here's the deal. If you look, now you got to go back, right? You got to go all the way to the Old Testament. You got to go all the way through it to get to this point. But if Facebook and Instagram were a thing, my bet is, man, she's posing with all the sheep and goats, looking how, look. like we don't ever post really the bad things. Sometimes we post the, the really bad, like, like death, pray for our family, right? but we don't really post our bad days. Some people do. Some people are looking for that, hey, I'm with you, sister, I love you, uh, we're better together, girl power. You know, some people post those things, but a lot of times we only post the good. So on this, the post of Facebook and the Insta status, all-time high in two verses. We're doing good. We're loaded. We got more sheep than we can share, man. This is great. Every woman's dream. Wife of a loaded ranch owner. Sounds like a show you're going to see on Channel 5 at some point in time, right? But here's the deal. Look, verse 3 paints the real situation. I'm going to read it one more time. It says, now the name of the man was Nab and the name of his wife, Abigail. The woman was discerning and beautiful, but the man was harsh and badly behaved. So in this, man, we're, we're three verses in and we've already got a picture of both of these people. Beautiful, discerning Abigail and Nab over here, man, they they don't even really want to mention his name. They really don't even want to talk about him. But here's what John says about this situation. Some of our greatest challenges in life have nothing to do with physical circumstances, catastrophes, or temptations. They have to do with real people, harsh and evil people, toxic people, angry people, messed up people who put us in harm's way by their actions and attitudes, oppressive people, even abusive ones. All of that is found here in Abigail's, not just her life, but her marriage. And we're gonna see some things that unfold inside of this story. But obviously Abigail, when she jumped into this, like she had some character and she's sticking it out. To this point, she has stuck it out, living with this not-so-great man, 
David is still on the run from King Saul. We know this if we read through the scripture. Uh, they've landed here near old Nab's ranch, and they are preparing for a banquet on Nab's ranch. David is hangry. Do you know what hangry means? You've seen it. You've heard it. Hungry and angry. I'm that usually three times a day. Raise your hand if you agree with me. If you're three dudes in the room. Here's the deal. So David is hangry and he sends some men to ask Nab for some food and some supplies. I'm sure if he's like me, he's hoping to get an invite to the banquet. Like when yesterday in my cul-de-sac, there were all kinds of cars. And I'm sitting there going, I didn't get the invite? Like, like, hello, I'm over here working in my yard. Like, so David and these guys, like they're sitting there and they're going, hey, we need some food, we need some supplies. And then verse eight, he goes in and he says, let my young men find, he sends somebody and says, let my young men find favor in your eyes. Tell them David sent you. So David is sitting there thinking that this is going to get them in verse nine. They did it. And then verse 10, look at verse 10, a not so kind response. But we already know that he's not a kind person. Don't be a nab. From here on out, when husband's being a nab, you can say it. Brooke, you can say it to me too. Quit being a nab. Say whatever you want. But here's what verse 10 says. And nab answered David's servants. Who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants these days who are breaking away from their master. Shall I take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shears and give it to men who come from I do not know where? Like, can you see this dramatics from this guy who's obviously loaded enough to give these guys the supplies that they need? If you read the story, then these guys are saying, hey, David's men, they've been protecting us while we've been out there. They've been good to us. Nab, you should be good to them. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. I don't know if you remember when we talked about Jonah. Remember pride. Pride is used 51 times in scripture, never in a good way, no matter how you slice it, it's always sin. When you have the good in you to do the good and the right thing to do it, to not do it is what? Sin. That's right. I think I heard bad. You're right. To not do it is bad. Pride does that to us. Look in verse 13. And David said to his men, after Nab came back with his response, look what David does. Verse 13. And David said to his men, every man strap on his sword. Like you're brave in this thing right now. David's like, he's mad. He's mad about it. Every man strap on his sword and every man of them strapped on his sword. David also strapped on his sword and about 400 men went up after David while 200 remained with the baggage. It's like the airport. Don't leave your baggage unmanned, right? Like, so David's in there going, okay, some of you got to stick around. You got to do this. David's saying, but you 400, y'all come with me. We got some business a man's pride and an empty belly makes a man go crazy. Neither man is backing down. A lot of people in this moment are about to be collateral damage. All of Nab's family and potentially some of David's men. Point number two, be the woman of character that God uses in decisive moments. Like there's gonna be times inside the home, there's gonna be times inside of work, there's gonna be times even inside some of your friendships that you have to be that woman of reason, that woman who looks at things from a biblical Christian perspective and says, okay, God help me in these moments. 
God, what do I do? Would you please lead me? Would you help me discern what's right and what's best? And would you help me with this? The enemy loves to use women without character to create divisive moments. Have you ever seen women like that or men who can be very divisive in in some of the ways that they say things and some of the ways that they do things? Your character matters to God. Your motives matter to God. How you do things, how you say things, all of that matters to who God is. And true character is what comes out when we get squeezed by the pressures of life. Abigail hears of the pending doom of David and his soldiers coming, and for all she knows, and then she acts. Like like they're coming for all that she's known and, and has grown up with, all that she has worked to make at least her house as much a home as she can with old Nab. And now she feels like all of this is about to come to an end, which just this past week just gives way to a story that I would love for Sylvie to be able to share at some point in time. Sylvie, how you handle that, how our group got to watch you guys in the moment of even thinking that you could go back to Germany and and be forced to do that, but how you went back, like, if you want to know more of that story, ask Sylvie, because it's a beautiful picture, But, but this being discerning and going back to the same person that belittled, the same person that that was harsh to you, to go back and to show them Christ the way you did. I'm just so proud of you. I love the story. I love that our our connection group got to see that. If you want more of the story, you got to talk to Sylvie about it. But decisive women count the cost and they act responsibly. You can be harmful or you can be helpful. You can look at a situation and go, okay, man, can I light, Can I add more fuel to this? Or can I, man, can I bring a, a, a blanket and, and really dampen this fire and, and, and be helpful? I can be fearful or I can be faithful. I can, I can give more to, to, to the demise of the situation or I can jump in and try to help. I can plan or I can perish. Man, she was very, like she looked at it and she goes, okay, I can... I can do something here. These guys are hungry. Food or fight? Food or fight? Like, these are great things. So to discern, to discern means to distinguish, to separate out by diligent search or to examine, to examine the situation. So when you look at what discernment is, it's the ability to properly discriminate or make a determination. Man, she does this. She looks at the situation. Maggie's about to jump into the ER, uh, being that kind of a nurse and everything. And so she's going to have these moments and times where she's got to discern all of her training, all of the stuff that she, how do I discern what each situation needs? We're all called to do that as believers. We're all called to do that as believers, to look at the situation and to discern when this whole thing pans out, will I honor God with my decision, with my words, with how I react? And so uh, if, if you're sitting there and you're going, okay, what's another verse that goes along with that? Look at Proverbs 3, verse 21 says this. Do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, and they will be life for your soul and an adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid, and when you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. And I don't know if you're here today, but man, when when you use sound wisdom, when your life is about truth, being honest, telling the truth, discerning, having a discerning spirit, like, like when you lay down at night, then there is the ability to be able to sleep and to get great rest. 
But man, when you're not about discerning, when you're not about telling the truth, when you're not about doing those things, man, your mind just sits there and it's racing and it's trying to figure out how do I cover over that and how do I cover over that? Have a life of integrity and do what Abigail, she didn't sit around and think about, okay, is this fair? Like David coming here, is this really fair? No, she doesn't do that. She didn't say this is, a, this is his mess and I'm just gonna take my bags and I'm gonna get out of here. She didn't do that. She didn't think of 10 things that he needed to change about himself and then say, hey, if you would have changed this about yourself. She didn't do that in the moment, right? And then she also, she didn't say, here we are again. Guys, have we heard that one? Ladies, have you heard that one? Kids, have you heard that one? Here we are again. She didn't ask why me. She knew the quickest way to a man's heart was through his belly. The quickest way to a man's heart. So she acted on it. Here's what John said in his book. She's standing in the gap for all of those who will not and cannot. In this situation and in most others, someone must say, I'll take responsibility. That is just good leadership and a great practical principle for all. Who are you standing in the gap for? Who are you standing in the gap for? Uh, there was nobody better in my life to stand in the gap for me than my mom. I'm telling you, she would fight some fights that she shouldn't have had to because I got in them. I got into the mess. And if there were things that I couldn't tell mom, somebody else that stood in the gap at times, although he would rather beat me up as to beat somebody else up, was my brother. He fought a lot of fights for me back in the day. But who are you standing in the gap for? Who needs you to take up the charge and to help them? Verse 21 and 22, that paints a hacked off face on David, right? David's mad, get your swords, we're going in. Like, that's just kind of dude talk, right? Like, we want, like, that, that is the beauty of most of us guys. Like, we would rather just duke it out, and then we can hug afterwards. All right, you beat me up, great. Now we're friends. But you ladies, like, at times, y'all carry it, right? You carry it. You keep carrying it, and then it just kind of keeps until some, for my mom, at some point in time, she was a ticking time bomb. I asked my dad one time, I said, Dad, you never get mad about anything. He goes, it's because your mom gets mad enough for both of us. <laughs> that may be your home. That's how I grew up. I don't know. But, but with this, point number three, gentleness and kindness open the door for God conversations. Most God conversations don't come out of a heated debate or a brutal battle. Like they don't usually come out of fussing and fighting. More times than not. So look in verse 23. It says, when Abigail saw David, she hurried down. She got down from her donkey. She fell before David on her face and bowed to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, on me alone, my Lord, be the guilt. Please let your servant speak in your ears and hear the words of your servant. Let not my little L, Lord, her husband, let not my Lord regard this worthless fellow, talking about him, let not my Lord, talking to David, regard this worthless fellow, Nab. And guys, you don't ever want that to be said from your wife, right? Like you don't ever want her to be in a conversation and have her say those things about you. Like you want to be the kind of man that loves his wife. And so in this moment, she's talking to David, regard this worthless fellow Nab, for as his name is, so is he. Nab is his name and folly is with him. But I, your servant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Notice a few things. Socially aware. She realizes who David is and she realizes the power that he has and then she realizes too she's about to lose it all. 1 Samuel 26. Let's look at that one. 
Now then, my Lord, little L, as the Lord, big L, Lord, lives, and as your soul lives, because the Lord has restrained you from blood guilt and from saving with your own hand, now then let your enemies and those who seek to do evil to my Lord be as Nab. And now let this present that your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your servant for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord and evil shall not be found in you so long as you live. If men rise up to pursue the Lord your God, uh, to I'm sorry, if men rise up to pursue you and to seek your life, the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living in the care of the Lord your God. And we could go on and read even more of that, but she's sitting there and she has opened up the God conversation. And she took a heated moment and she inserted food and calmness. And then she was very socially aware of what was happening and she knew what she needed to do. Nab, uh, uh, Nab had hit bottom, but she didn't have to. She remembered God is a God of rescue and God would rescue her in this moment. Eight references to the capital L, Lord. God remembered everything she had done and God moved. Amazing what God can do when we don't try to take matters into our own hands. It's amazing when we don't fly off the handle, when we don't be uh, the ones who yell, when we're not the ones who are screaming and yelling, it's amazing how God can use our words to soften the blow that would hit them in the face even harder than if you hauled off and hit them. It's amazing how God does this. It's amazing. Verse 32 through 35, David responds with mirrored grace. His anger has been replaced. Point number four, God always works it out for your good and his glory. He always has and he always will. Look in verse 40. When the servants of David came to Abigail at Carmel, they said to her, David has sent us to you to take you to be, uh, to you, to him as his wife. And she rose and bowed. What happened? Threw a party and then he died. God took care of the situation. And God honored her life. He honored every harsh conversation she ever endured. She, he, he, he loved on her enough that he would give her then in marriage to David. It goes on to say this, David has sent us to you to take you to him as his wife. And she rose and she bowed with her face to the ground and said, behold, your handmaid is a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. And Abigail hurried and rose and mounted a donkey and her five young women attended her. She followed the messengers of David and became his wife. What does that tell us today? It's not too late. It's not too late to do the right thing, to be the right person at the right time, in that right moment, to save a lot of the collateral damage that could go on around us. It can happen at work. It can happen at home. It can happen in church. It can happen all over the place, but you got to have your yes on the table to be the one that God wants to use in those moments. 